All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Bloominati podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Join alongside me, as always, Seth Varnador and Robert Stieg. Uh, jam-packed show tonight. We've got some MLB All-Star Game stuff to talk about, finally, as a USF uh, blog for the first time ever, which is really exciting. Uh, and then we'll kind of get a little bit deeper into this some uh, AAC preview stuff as we're what coming up on seven weekends away from the start of the 2022 football season. It's uh, the off season finally winding down where the dog days of summer are hitting us. Um, I think it hit like 105 feels like, like some point last week. It was awful. Uh, I think my wife said at her wits end with Olivia in the house. Um, she's really ready for her to start kindergarten, but also not really ready. Just a lot of emotions going on at the Bond household. How, how are you guys holding up? Good. We're in like a cycle of sickness at my house for the last three weeks. So once we kick out of that, we'll be good. But you know, it is kids just pass from one to the other and then it, it comes back around. It's never ending. It really is. Steve, don't. I mean, if you have kids, put them in a bubble or something. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's no, awful. No, no kids in this household. We, uh, we're, we're sick enough as it is. You know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> I think, I think everybody's going to know in a minute uh, just yeah. how sick you are. Um, yeah, but one of my best friend, a former podcast, uh, sponsor had their third child, um, two months ago. And we couldn't see her for about a month and a half because once at least one person in my family was sick for like a month and a half straight. It's, it's terrible. Like, I, I mean, she still, she still smelled like a new baby, but it's not like that fresh, like, you know, two day old baby smell. I mean, it was fine. It was a bit stale, but whatever. Um, Brody hated her. Uh, <laughs> she like was pulling my wife's hands off of her as she was holding the baby. Like he is, he is so overprotective and just so clingy and, Oh God bless my wife. I don't know how she does it. I, uh, I get like the quick hug when he sees me and then he's just back to his mom. These little boys really love their moms. It's insane, man. Yeah. I'm getting, I get this cold shoulder all the time. It hurts. It's that Oedipus complex. Yeah. <laughs> Must be. Uh, me and Olivia have gotten really close. She's gotten really, really into Power Rangers and like the original Power Rangers, like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And I am, I, I'm, I'm in heaven. I bought her the Power Rangers Megazord, uh, last week and we've played with that. She just, she's, I think she may still be awake. I don't know. She's sleeping downstairs tonight. Um, and she's watching Power Rangers as we speak. She just got through, uh, where the Green Ranger loses its powers. So now he's going to have to turn to the White Ranger. Um, everything. Spoiler yeah. Spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't <laughs> seen it. Um, I've, I had there on Prime Day, which was what? Oh, oh, oh no. Oh, oh no. no. Oh no. Power Rangers. <laughs> Instead of go, <laughs> the, go the white Power, Power Rangers, you know, or the White Ranger. I have to, have to make sure I careful around my language for that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a reader. That's, that's a reader repulsive move right there. I had a feeling that was going to happen. Uh, for those that are local right now, uh, it is, there's a massive, massive storm above Tampa Bay right now. Like, there. so it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised there. We got dogs barking in the background. We got Nathan falling off. Were you a Power Rangers fan, Steve? 
I was, I was a little bit, you know, I, I don't think, uh, it, it wasn't, I think everyone kind of fell into different categories as kids. And like, usually one of them will like stick on a little bit longer. Uh, for me, it was Pokemon. Uh, okay. still, still big on the, on the Pokemon. Uh, I, I watched a lot of Power Rangers, but you know, I, I never, I never got like the toys, you know, it, it that wasn't what I wanted. I, I, it wasn't my, uh, my desire. Uh, I was a Ninja Tur- I was a Ninja Turtles kid. Uh, right. But Power Rangers related. I haven't used F to my world up for one whole summer. That guy creeped me out when I was a kid. I don't know if you remember yeah. Ivan News. Creepy old guy. Big weird weird guy energy. Didn't like I was about to say, looking back at like childhood cartoons, uh <laughs> a lot of a lot of them have those weird kind of fucked up characters and villains and everything like that. Um Nate's power went out. So Seth, how do we want to how do we want to attack this? Well, I think you've got something off the top that you're looking to do. That's something you owe the people. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll provide the context. Um, you know, actually, here let me. Uh, we'll we'll do this live. You know, we're you talk about. Let's see if I can find the tweet here. Here, I can send it to you right now. I'm going to put it in the podcast uh, channel here. Um, so, uh, on a fateful day, May 19th in the year 2022, uh, Jackson Mayo hits a, a deep home run to right field for the South Florida Bulls, uh, against Wichita State and, uh, and hit, cleared the Coca-Cola sign in the outfield, like cleared it by a good, probably 10 to 15 feet. Um, so just jack shot. Um, and, and our, our glorious admin, um, for, for USF baseball said, wash that mayo down with a large Coca-Cola. Fantastic sponsorship tag. Loved every second of it. And I thought, hey, Jackson Mayo's a, a good dude. Let's, uh, let's celebrate this for him. So 30 legs and I'll do a shot of mayo. And as you can see there, Seth, we got the magic number. We didn't just hit 30 <laughs> and we didn't just double it. We, we got the magic number uh, of 69. So, uh, in, in true, uh, daily stampede fashion, we're late on it. Cause I said I would do it on the next podcast and, uh, it just didn't happen. Um, but I'm here to repay my debts. You want to uh, make sure it didn't hit the transfer portal, you know? You just right. Didn't want to, um, I need to atone for my sins. So I've got, I've got some Duke's mayonnaise because this is the only mayonnaise that matters. Um, I've got a, I've got a, a decently cold, uh, Coca Cola that I was drinking earlier and then I thought, if we're going to podcast, I'm going to need to save some of this. And then a, uh, a nice clean glass straight from the dishwasher that will be going back into the dishwasher, um, promptly after this. And then of course, a, uh, Paige is currently watching it like a, like a child watching Power Rangers on a Saturday morning cartoons, <laughs> watching me in the other room. Got some, uh, ice cold water in case things get a little, uh, a little hairy. Um, Seth, how do you want to fill the time while I, uh, concoct this. I, I just want to, I, I kind of want to watch and see if we can get kind of a, let's get into the camera here so I can see. All right. So oh, we yeah. got a nice little, nice and little glass. What do you usually drink out of there? Uh, usually there's uh there's whiskey. So this is, I mean, a whiskey, a whiskey Coke is usually my go-to. So in my mind, I'm just imagining that. So I'll do, I'll do two, two little, uh, tablespoons here. It won't matter, uh, if there's any left on the spoons. I'm going to use it to mix it because I'm not a heathen. Um, Let's see. Uh, let's let's get this framed nice. 
So you got the mayo in there and uh, some nice. I don't know what this is going to do either. I feel like this is going to just create some sort of disgusting, like pale. Oh, yeah. This you know, what this looks like it looks like a root beer float. There you go. Mind over matter. Mind over matter. And then we'll we'll mix it up a little bit. You got You need to mix it. Yeah, we gotta mix it. it, it and and just, uh, I mean, you can kind of see it. it. It's mixing like exactly how you think Coke and mix with together. Um, just All right. not even a little bit. Uh, here, we'll just keep the spoon in there. It's like ice cream. Um, yeah, let's 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 hold on. Let's run the nose. Yeah. Is it uh, is it the whole thing, or is it a sip? I mean, I'll 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 drink the whole thing throughout the. I mean, I'll do a big gulp. You'll sip on it. We'll we'll see we'll see what this first sip kind of does to me. <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, all right, Duke's mayonnaise, Coca Cola original. Original, no diet cokes in this household, unfortunately. Seth. well, we do, but um, let's see what this what this goes for. It just it tastes sweeter. <laughs> Over the lips, past the gums. Here you go. It, I shit you not. If you if you handed that to me, I mean the the feel of the mayo hitting my lips is probably the most disconcerting part. But like the actual like substance of it, just it, it doesn't do anything. Uh, Nate, welcome back. Uh, we have the concoction. Oh, good God. It's, oh, in case you missed it, it's, uh, it was, uh, uh, mayonnaise and Coca-Cola. Yeah, okay. we, got, we got the, we got Dukes. a Duke's mayonnaise. On brand. And, uh, yeah, it has to be Duke's. Um, yeah, the, the, the tweet itself got 69 likes, Nate, so I, I felt like it was a, it was a timely time to do this. Okay. Um, but yeah. Hey, wait, Seth, do we want, do we want to go full screen on Steve here? Oh, you know what? Let's do it. That's, I mean, that's a great. Can we do that? Let's see. It's a great producer right there. Great producer. There, there, go. there, there so, we go. Um, got a little bit in there. Well, here, what's the, there we go. This is a good sign. Oh. <laughs> and Nate, let me tell you, it just tastes like a sweeter version of Coca-Cola. Smooth, huh? It's, it is not smooth. It is, it is quite <laughs> the opposite of smooth. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the 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 chunks of mayonnaise hitting my mustache are just not doing it for me tonight. But I uh, I'm just we've got a long show, so uh, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. You know what I'm? Oh, I don't know. You know what I asked Steve pr- uh, prior to the podcast if he was going to be able to make it through. I think I might. Be the one that can't make it through after that. I, uh, I, I don't have a steel stomach. Uh, that's missed, for sure. You missed the, uh, you missed the mixing. Yeah, I'm glad I did. Oh, it was that. That was the worst thing I've ever done. Honestly, I was telling, after you got off, I was telling Steve that in my in my world, Ivan Ooze was kind of like the Coke and mayonnaise mixture. He's effed my world up for a whole. He summer. really did. <laughs> Ivan Ooze, man, I'll tell you what, he is. He's the worst, and uh, I can't wait to to watch the the Power Rangers movie with her. Uh, I haven't watched the new one, like the one that came out a few years ago, uh, just for 
reasons, but I am so back in on Power Rangers. It's not even funny. Like, uh, I, I love, I forgot. I mean, the acting is terrible. Like it is so bad, but like the other cool parts about it are awesome. So I, I'm excited. I got her, uh, prime day was, uh, as I was about to say, uh, prime day was yesterday and Tuesday and, uh, I bought Olivia, um, like these, like, life-size action figures of uh the six power rangers they're like a foot tall i don't know they're like normal ones and they have come with all the weapons and i'm excited for her to, she doesn't know i got it for her so it's gonna be a nice surprise on saturday oh that'd be great yeah i know right um but let's get into the reason why we're here uh and it's unsurprisingly it's not about steve chugging coca-cola and mayonnaise don't do it again oh my god he he's, he's gonna he's gonna sip on it the rest of the party. Yeah, I'll sip on it during the show. You should like add to, like bourbon or something or some whiskey to it. I feel like that, I feel like it would explode. Honestly, like <laughs> this, it's already very like it. It looks. What you got, what's a Coke and mayonnaise? Is that like a Rob Ford? <laughs> well. So, <laughs> so I I wanted I was joking and I was like I wonder if there's like any actual like. Because someone's got to mix Coke and mayo before. Um, I found a I found a recipe from uh, World War II. Um, of course, for a cherry cola chocolate mayonnaise sauerkraut cake. Um, it's real. There's Sour pictures crop. of it. Yeah, it is. Uh, That's the most distressing thing in that cake. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really want to know where you got that recipe in World War II. Now, yeah, sauerkraut. Who are you rooting for, Steve? This wasn't a family cookbook, was it? Let me rephrase. It was shortly <laughs> after World War II. So, okay. you know, people are trying to be nice and they're like, we got to <laughs> let's take the best part of about America. Some some cherry Coke and uh, some mayonnaise. We'll take the best parts about Germany. You know, you got some chocolate and you got some sauerkraut. Throw it all together in a baking dish and uh, see what you make, you can make. Mm, sure. All right. All right. Let's let's get going um, before the storm knocks out my internet again. Uh, man, I'll tell you what—that was a nerve-wracking like three minutes. Um, so big news uh, this week uh, happened uh, for the first time ever: a former USF baseball player is heading to the All-Star Game as Tampa Bay Rays ace left-hander Shane McClanahan. Uh, was named to the all-star team after what can only be described as a dominant, dominant first half of the season. Um, prior to the show, I was kind of looking up his stats and just kind of taking a gander, and uh, they're ridiculous. I just want to do the quick rundown of what he leads the majors in and all, what he also leads the American League in. So he's the MLB leader in ERA with a one seven one ERA. Uh, he leads the league uh, majors in starts with 18, strikeouts with 147. His whip is 0.795. Like, ridiculous. He's the AL leader in innings pitched, ERA plus, uh, FIP, hits per nine, and strikeouts per win. Uh, he's just, I knew he'd be really, really good. Um, he, his freshman, we all know his freshman season, uh, was cut short before the season even started because he had Tommy John. And we always talk, he still had the fastball. It was still 
you know, 96, 97, 98 miles an hour, but the control wasn't there for a good chunk of his time at USF. And it's usually the control is usually the last thing that comes back from a, from this kind of injury and what he's been able to do in the majors while still maintaining a sky high strikeout rate has been remarkable. He was hovering around, I think for his college career, he walked five batters per nine innings. He has essentially cut that in half in the majors. It's just remarkable. He hasn't had a K per nine under 10 at any stop in college or any stop in the minors or in the pros. He has a 12.2 K per nine so far this season. Um, I'm going to nerd out real quick because I am just a massive, massive, uh, like fantasy baseball player. And I love the, I love the, the advanced stats on it. His strikeout rate, I think he's, it's jumped 16% from last season. I want to pull up the right numbers. My internet's still kind of wonky. There. It's getting, it's getting there, but it, it, it's eventually it'll, it'll show up. Oh yeah. 12.0 strikeout rate this season. Um, his walks per, his walks per nine are 1.5. Uh, it just what what he does it's it's remarkable. If he's not named the All Star Game starter, I think it'd be a travesty. I understand. You know, Justin Verlander's had a really good season. He's getting up there in age. So when do you think he's ever going to get another chance like this? But uh, I I just I can't believe how good Shane has been in his short time in the majors so far, and I'll. I'll stop gushing. You guys can talk. I, I know we wanted to talk about Shane as well, but uh, I love it. I'm just so happy for him. Did you talk about that stat that's over his last seven starts? Did you mention? That oh yeah, yeah. Go you if you got it. Go right ahead. Yes, uh, seven straight starts with six plus innings pitch, six plus strikeouts, one earned run or less, and four hits or fewer, which is the longest such streak in Major League Baseball history. That's pretty cool. They've been playing baseball for a while. Just, just a few years. Uh, just, a, just a couple of seasons, I, I think. And I, I, I'm just flabbergasted. Um, you know, Billy Mole recruited him, uh, and, you know, taught him, him, and he's not the, he's not the only. Former bull in the majors, you know, Pete Shurslucky, uh, another guy from that 2017, 2018 team, uh, reached the majors this year with the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Phoenix Sanders reached the majors, uh, with the Rays. He, he's been kind of going back and forth with the Rays. Um, you know, the taxi squad at AAA and on the major league roster as the Rays are trying to figure out a way to keep people healthy. Um, Jimmy Herget is also in the majors. Uh, David Villar. For the San Francisco uh, Giants, there is in the majors. Like there's, USF is producing a lot of baseball talent, and uh, they're progressing through the minors, and they're getting to the show. I think Coco Montez is right on the cusp. I think he's in Triple Life with the Colorado Rockies. Um, the reverse jinx lives on is really what it boils down to. Um, but for all of the the warts and faults of of baseball this past season. What they've, what the alums of USF baseball have been able to do over the last couple of seasons has been nothing short of remarkable. And to finally get some recognition, because there has been good players, you know, 
to come through, uh, you know, the majors, but no one, no one's Shane. Shane might be the best player already ever to, and he's what a season and a half in. He's probably already the he's already the best USF player to ever play in the majors, and it's probably not even close. Ross Glode had a very long career, but never really latched on and became a star like Shane's a star. He could he could win if he keeps up the numbers in the second half. He's winning the Cy Young, and it's not close. Like that's just kind of where we're at uh, with him, and uh, I just. I'm so I'm so happy for him and his his family. Uh, I it's just one of those things, man. It, it's it's so weird seeing um, someone you like you really covered, and then like they become like a star, and uh, it's it's pretty neat, right? Because you kind of you kind of it kind of comes full circle for you because didn't you one one of your first uh, gamer not gamers but one of the first times that you covered for the Daily Stampede was baseball seasons, right? Yeah, Shane yeah. I, I, uh, it was, it was Shane's freshman year. It was the year he actually, uh, had Tommy John, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I came on, um, that, that season. Um, and then the, the, they went to the regionals the next two years and he was part of that and, uh, got just really, in depth into baseball. I, I covered the Tampa Yankees for two seasons prior to joining the daily stampede. So I was kind of already into baseball. Like that was just kind of my connection. And that's how they kind of brought me along, um, with baseball. So it was, it's, it's so cool. Like Phoenix Sanders is probably one of my, he's my favorite USF baseball player I've probably ever covered. Um, so seeing him in the majors was really special and, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm really excited for him. Um, he's he's going to be in for a payday, and probably not in Tampa, but it's going to be it's going to be really awesome when he gets paid. Yeah, he's, he's going to get like a he's going to get I'm a massive really, contract from the Dodgers. Yeah, I'm really excited for him because uh, I look at his contract. I think he's making less than a million dollars this year. So to do this, yeah. yeah. I, what's Someone's interesting is like uh, 2000 Pedro Martinez is considered by some people one of the best seasons in modern history from a pitcher. Mm-hmm. And then you look on the tweet here, if you're watching on the YouTube, um, he's the second player ever to have 140 Ks, a .80 whip or less, 1.75 or less ERA, I'm assuming, within the first 18 starts of the season, joining Pedro from that 2000 season. So pretty good company to be in there. Tweet from uh, Greg Harvey yeah. between the numbs. So – yeah, insane, insane season. Uh, Greg Harvey, USF yeah. alum, so it all comes full circle here. Is he really? One way. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Well, how about that? Man, there's some thunder clapping outside. If I, if I lose power, we'll, we'll, we know what, what happened. It literally folks. just shook our house. So I, yeah. my, mayo started to, my mayo coat <laughs> started to just rattle over here a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. So let's uh, let's – Let's jump into uh, football. Um, the USF football season starts September 3rd versus BYU at at noon. Is it a noon game? I think it's 4 o'clock. Seven, 4 o'clock? Eh. 4 o'clock, yeah. It'll be hot. On ESPNU. It'll still be, it'll be hot. 
Um, but let's kind of dig into some of the other teams. We'll talk about the quarterbacks. Uh, I, I've kind of got my own little thing for each conference's quarterback, but uh, I I am blessed to have a uh, AAC preseason media poll uh, vote. I've actually I'm going to be posting that. I'm going to be submitting it uh, tonight live here on, on air. And I, I wanted to kind of gauge your thoughts. I, I mean, every single season, I we kind of do a group think, and it's kind of the daily stampedes vote, if we're being perfectly honest. Um, but I wanted to kind of get your take. I'll, I'll give you my initial thoughts, and then we'll kind of dig deep into you know each one, you know, a couple minutes, and then we'll we'll cast our ballots together. How's that? Love it. Love it. Perfect. So I'll go from 11 to one, uh, going from there. Uh, this was my, just my gut reaction to everything. Uh, I sent it in the Slack channel. So 11th, uh, Tulsa. Cause, and we'll get into the, the reason why, um, 10 Tulane. I, Michael Pratt really disappointed me. And I think Willie Fritz may be figured out. But we'll we'll dig deeper into it. Uh, number nine, Temple, probably a little too high on Temple, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, yeah. I may move them down to 11, and then uh, Tulsa Tulane, uh, eight USF. There's a lot of question marks. There's still you're returning a lot of talent, but was any of the talent good? And does that mean you're going to be better just because you return a lot of talent? We'll we'll get we'll dig into it. Uh, seven Navy. I don't. I never know where to put Navy. They could be eleven. They could be four. It it really it doesn't make any sense uh, where where to put them. Uh, SMU six probably a little low on them. Uh, yeah. ECU five. Memphis four. I'll probably switch SMU and Memphis. Of and then uh, the top three are uh, Central Florida three. Houston two, Cincinnati one. I've been thinking about it for about 10 days. I think Houston, I'm, I'm going to flip Cincinnati and Houston. But initial thoughts, feelings, concerns, as we kind of talk through it, gut reaction, does Cincinnati with Ben Bryant coming back, I guess, uh, after spending a, a, a season in finishing school at Eastern Michigan, uh, does does he help replace the amount of talent and production that they have to replace? I think they had eight guys drafted uh, in nine. April. So, nine. Yeah. So it was a lot of talent to replace, but still Luke Fickle recruited really well. Can Cincinnati hang on to that, that top spot uh, for another season? I think – I've thought uh, – I had somebody ask me previously, and I thought – I, I, my gut reaction was Cincinnati would kind of stay there. Um, they are not the top team in the conference on talent. Um, let's go ahead and throw this up there. So since we're talking about Cincinnati first, so we have uh, their schedule here. Um, not the toughest schedule, I don't think. I think Arkansas, that first one will tell you a lot. If they can somehow beat Arkansas, I don't think they will. But if they can, they've got a good chance to get – to double digit wins. Um, my, yeah. the rest of their out of conference schedule is not that tough though. Seth. Uh, so, I mean, Cincinnati was a top four team in college football. Mm. And 
I know I was listening to the podcast today, uh, kind of talking about how some people think that if Cincinnati beats Arkansas, it's an upset. I mean, is it really an upset if you're beating a six and six team when you're a top four team in the country the previous season, or is it more context? Arkansas, I think Arkansas won like eight and eight and four or nine and four last year. They uh they were pretty good. They were and they had some pretty good metrics and they'll be at home and they're returning their quarterback. I think Arkansas is a favorite right now. What you're telling me Kate Fortin's not gonna be the starter this year? I don't think what? so. I think it's gonna be KJ Jefferson. Um so I would, I think that's, I think if they beat Arkansas on the road, that is an upset. Um, but I do think they're a really good team. They're still top 15. They're 11th in SP plus in the preseason. Um, you can see that here at the bottom here. So I've got kind of their, their schedule and then how they match up based on talent and SP plus here. So talent, they're going to out talent almost everybody they play. They have three talent disadvantages in the 12 game season. Arkansas, Indiana, who's recruited pretty well, but they're not very good right now. They're kind of in, they're kind of in limbo. They might, maybe the new quarterback will help them or whatever. I don't know. New offensive coordinator. And then UCF is the other one that they have a talent disadvantage against. Everybody else, they have a pretty healthy talent advantage. So can, we, uh, can we zoom in on the numbers a little bit? Uh, yeah, possible. Yeah, let's, let's try here. Just so the, for the folks on the YouTube. Yeah, resume. Is this better? Much better. Yeah. All right. So this is the game-by-game game talent for Cincinnati. In the country, Cincinnati's 52nd. This is just purely based on, like, 24-7 average recruit ranking. Okay. Um, so there's – is this a perfect measure? No. Is it the team talent measure from 24-7? No, it's just an average of all the players that they have ranked. Um, you see, there's only three games where they have a disparity. Um, and I think they'd probably be favored against Indiana. I believe that's a home game. Uh, yeah, Indiana's a home game. Arkansas's away. So they're, right now their win total is at nine. The under is at plus 130 now looking at it. So they're, they're trying to get people to bet the under, it seems like. So, um, Overs had some action, I believe. But and that's, I feel like that's kind of normal, at least as far as, you know, what history will tell us. You know, whenever, uh, whenever a team in the group of five, um, you know, talent aside and where they're heading in a, in a year aside, you know, they're still a group of five team. Historically, they're going to take a step back that next year, especially after they graduate as much talent as they did to the NFL. You know, I know they brought in a good bit of talent as well, but you know, I I, I think that under is pretty favorable. You know, I'm I'm not a betting man by any stretch of the imagination, but I'd probably bet the under because now being top dog, you get everyone's best shot every single week. You know, there's some people that are going to circle that Cincinnati game a lot more than normal. So yeah, know, I, I I think I could see them probably at nine wins. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if they got upset. So, I, I yeah, think yeah. the the tough part for their schedule is so they have so they they get USF and then they're off and then they're at SMU and and then at uh, Central Florida back to back weeks. Uh, if they can get through Arkansas, I think that's probably the next closest tier games where they could they could theoretically drop both, it, just depending on how the rest of the season kind of plays out. I mean SMU 
brings back their quarterback and, and Tanner's very, very good. Uh, he, he lit up the league as well. And then it, depending on how Central Florida's quarterback situation plays out, uh, they could be a lot better. I think that was the one thing kind of holding them back last year. Uh, I think the defense, their defense is still going to be pretty good. Uh, they've got, they've got a really good running back room as well over there in Avito, but it was always the quarterback question. Like Mikey Keen is not the guy. Now is John Rice Plumley the guy? I don't know. He's been a, what, he's been a wide receiver for the last two years. He's got to relearn the position. He's got to figure this stuff out. He's definitely a Gus quarterback. That's for sure. But does the two years off or, or so kind of really affect how he processes his, I mean, Seth, you can speak to it more than I can, but going from my receiver, I mean, you, you learn the different aspects of, of the game, but you're not yeah. processing it as a quarterback. Um, I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like you may be a step slow as you're processing when live bullets are flying around you as opposed to being going, a wide receiver. It, like going, it may negate itself a little bit by transferring and having to learn something new anyway. So you might be on that curve kind of anyways. Um, I know he's still got some reps at quarterback the last couple of years. So I don't know how much he was practicing or having a split practice. He was kind of more of a gadget player at receiver. I think he did play a decent bit. So that's why I'm not sure how much he split his time, but um, he fits what Gus wants to do. I think he's, he's kind of like a Nick Marshall type. Mm-hmm. He'll be able to throw well enough and his athleticism gives you something in the run game that really makes you tough to, tough to defend, especially when you got kind of, they got some big running backs that, you know, he can kind of be the outside fast guy and you can look kind of like you accepted last year at times with Mangum banging it inside and then McLean working outside. So I think they'll, I think whoever ends up being the quarterback, they'll probably be pretty good on offense. Um, but, you know, that's kind of all based on kind of how they ended last year pretty well. And, and, yeah. and then, but they, you know, USF defense that had been terrible year held them down at home. Yeah. In a big game. So I don't know. It's hard to say. Maybe the schedule just got easier at the end there. Um, Cincinnati is the odds on favorite right now. Um, they have the best odds in the conference according to DraftKings Sportsbook at plus 180 to win the conference. Um, Houston is second. So I don't, I don't know if you want to go over and look at Houston. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll do that. I, I, Houston, they return a lot of, a lot of talent, you know, Clayton yeah. Toon also lit up the league and they still have Tank Dell. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I said this in Slack yesterday. Uh, you know, Brian Batie is what one of six, uh, returning all Americans, uh, in FBS this season. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was really cool and all. And then I re- distinctly remember Kerwin Bell, uh, and, and the staff being really, really high on Brian Batie. And then I remember, um, how, uh, they were really, really high on Tank Dell and then no one else was. And it just made me really sad that they could still, they could be playing on the same team this year. And then I got sad all over again. So that, I, for, I mean, yeah, I'm seeing like mock drafts where he's in, like, getting drafted in the first three rounds. That's pretty good. Um, what's interesting about Houston is their talent ranking on like the high school rankings is not great, but they have a bunch of really good players coming back. Like, I don't know what Clayton Toon was ranked, but he's one of the top quarterbacks coming back in G5. Like you said, Nathaniel Dell, Tank Dell, one of the best receivers coming back. Um, 
I'm not sure we can go look how much they're returning up front on the offensive line, but you know, you see the talent disparity with them is not quite as alarming to me um, as it might be in other spots. But you look at the SP plus their schedule. I think they got a tough first couple games. there, kind of sneaky tough. Well, they play UTSA. They play a middle school. Then they play Kansas rice. I mean, outside of UTSA, I, no one really puts the fear of God into me. I, I, I think Texas Tech's going to be interesting just because of the scheme change, and it is an away game. So they're away for the first two weeks there. They get Kansas and Rice back at home. And then the conference schedule, you know, I think they kind of got a pretty good draw here. That's I think that's another reason you, you might like them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You, you don't have to play Central Florida. That's, uh, that's nice. Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, when you don't have to play two of the top three teams in the conference and you're the third one, uh, you know, you that's play, a nice good. You get to play Navy, Temple, Tulsa, and Tulane. And, and USF. And, and so USF. Probably, probably close to the bottom five or what people think would be the bottom five teams in the conference. You get to play all of them. Uh, SMU, I'm not sure where that game is at. SMU is away and East Carolina is away. So those are kind of two that could be pretty tough there. Ooh, we're starting to get the thunder here. So uh, I I think the schedule is a little bit easier for Houston to manage. So getting to nine might be better. Yeah. They are the second best odds at plus two forty to win the conference. Yeah. Um, I just want to kind of pick and choose some of the interesting ones uh, that maybe I was just kind of too low on. Um, SMU. Let's kind of kind of dig into them a little bit. So their uh, their win total seven. Um, but they're plus a thousand to win the conference. I think that's fourth best odds to win the conference. Um, they have a tough non-conference schedule, it looks like, and they get, so here's the tough with them, right? We just talked about Houston's schedule. They have UCF away, Cincinnati at home, Houston at home. So the, and then Memphis at home. So probably the, out of the top five, not including themselves, they play their other four. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, so a, that's, that's a tough opener leading up to the to the off week. Like yeah, TCU's going to be. I mean, this yeah, the, the, those first five uh, games kind of suck. <laughs> yeah. If you like, get past North Texas, who's got some, I think they got a quarterback transfer in that that yeah. that can be kind of feisty. You get past them, and Lamar should be a win. You got to go on the road to Maryland, who's shown they can be pretty good, but they're kind of volatile. Then two his brothers still there, right? Yeah. Then home for TCU and then away at UCF. Oh, that UCF. TCU game. That TCU game is going to be lit. Yeah. That's <laughs> going to be appointment a television. I don't care who they play that week. <laughs> so if you look at their SP Plus, they look like, you know, SP Plus likes them quite a bit. They like their efficiency last year. They're only uh, underdog in SP Plus in one game, which is the Cincinnati game. Other yeah. than that, they're they're higher. They're the second best team in SP plus according or in the AAC according to SP plus. Um, talent, they're the, all that transfers they took in kind of bumped that talent level up pretty good. But they you still they, they have three games. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be lesser talented team or four. This Maryland game should be. Uh, let's fix that right now. So four games that Maryland. Uh, that there'll be at least four games where there'll be the lesser talented team, according to the 
Um, one, I want to, I think you're way too high on Temple. I think they're going to be terrible. I think yeah. one of the worst teams in college. I, I was, I, on the drive home, I was kind of going over it and looking and good God, they're going to be terrible. They're 118 SP plus. We knew Rod Carey was a bad coach when they hired him. And, yeah. and it's just the proof's in the pudding of what's happened. And they don't have any talent. I mean, they've got some talent at wide receiver, but they don't have anyone that, that scares me. Uh, the Jaden Blue transferred, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a bunch yeah, of guys leave. West Virginia. Or maybe he decided to come back. Hold on. So we'll look at here's their returning production is kind of middle of the road, but that they've had some transfers come in. But you got six starters coming back on on offense, six coming back on defense, again kind of middle of the road. No punter coming back. They were Jaden Blue went to Votech. They returned about half their snaps on the O line, about half their quarterbacks or a little bit over half their quarterback snaps. So they are um Yeah. I, I think they could be pretty terrible. I think Navy could also be terrible. Yeah, that new rule about um, job blocking is is going to fuck them over, like, really bad. It's kind of how much do you believe, uh, like, the quarterback, he kind of turned it on at the end of the year a little bit. How much do you believe he – how good is he, or is it just kind of mm-hmm. one of those things? Because just – you can't really look at talent with them because they're always going to be less talented, but – SP Plus has got them at 113th in the country, and they're at a basically the only game they have to that two talent advantages or SP Plus advantages rather, Temple and Delaware. Other than that, you see all the red here. That's where you have a disadvantage by SP Plus, and if it's dark red, that's bad. So that's a lot their over under is four and a half for the season. I would think under, but they're so weird. It's it's probably not wise to bet academy teams before you got to get to see them play because you never really know. Um, but I think they they might have some trouble. Right. And they also get they get SMU, Houston, Cincinnati, UCF as well in their conference. So they get that top four. Okay. And East Carolina, so probably. They, they play most of the top half of the conference, I'd say. So I think they might have a tough year. I think Temple's going to be terrible. Tolson and Tulane are two. I really don't – I can't really get a handle on either one of them. So I am I am doing Tulsa's not the, recruiting the rankings well right now. No. No. Um, and before, before I click submit, uh, I want to talk about the QBs, but this is kind of where I've landed so far. So Houston, Cincinnati, Central Florida, ECU. SMU, Memphis, Tulane, USF, Tulsa, Navy, Temple. So uh, the the standard top three, you know, Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, I think that's probably a given. And then four through six, it, it's a it's a grab bag. I I can't I can't do it. I don't trust Holton Nailers enough to be fourth. Uh, so I, I'm changing it. Uh, SMU fourth, ECU fifth, Memphis sixth, Tulane seventh, USF eighth, Tulsa nine, Navy ten, Temple eleven. I would put USF above Tulane if I just didn't have that vivid memory of a very, very bad Tulane team just smacking the shit out of USF. 
Yeah, I can't do like, good faith. Like, I, can't, I, can't like do, I can't. I can't. I I can't do it. Like it's just it's not possible. And it's uh, you know as what was it going into halftime? USF was competing against SMU, right? And it's just and then it kind of fell apart. And then they get smacked. What the next week? I think. So I I just I can't in good conscience and like being yeah. objectively fair and say. Well, USF's going to be better. Well, why can't Tulane be better? Even if Tulane's bad, they could still whoop this team that they beat by like 40. Yeah. What's interesting about Tulane is they return. You see there, they got 89% of their production coming back. They're third in the country on offense. But if you look over here at their coaches, they're basically a whole new staff of offensive coaches. And they're Mm -hmm. on a bunch on defense, too. They've only retained – 36% 36% of their coaching staff from the previous year. So a lot of guys got turned over. Some guys left for better jobs. Um, I think they had a line coach come in for like two weeks and then he got hired by somebody bigger. So they're, they're they've had some turnover and some churn there at co- on the coaching staff. Yeah. That's a, um, that's a scary proposition. Whenever you have like a really veteran heavy team coming in with an all new staff like that, you, you don't want to well, upset the apple cart too much. They are plus 4,500 when the conference just above, uh, USF. Tulsa's got better odds to win the conference. And then maybe it has to, let's look at the schedule here. Tulane's got to play, um, in conference, Houston, ECU, USF, Memphis, Tulsa, UCF, SMU, Cincinnati. Tulane's got a tough, and look at that end there. Uh, UCF, SMU, Cincinnati for your final three games of the year. Um, that's tough. And Tulsa has no UCF, but they have Cincinnati, uh, SMU, Memphis, Houston, and SMU. But Tulsa does get Temple. I don't think Tulane does. So there you go. So that'll be, I think those two are pretty similar ish. I don't know. I'd I'd bet on Tulane just because. I think their quarterback's a little bit better. And I think that's a good segue to what I want to talk about. It's the quarterback situation across, across the conference. Um, I've kind of did it in like this ranking kind of second hands. I don't know. I just kind of went for it. Um, I'll give you my list. I'll, I'll give you my, my top three quarterbacks and then we'll kind of go from there. Um, so number one, Clayton Toon for Houston. Uh, number two, Tanner Mordecai for SMU. And then number three, Holton Aylers for ECU. I think that's pretty safe, right? I mean, I think those are the three best guys as it currently stands. Uh, Aylers kind of freaks me out. He's so, he's so, one week he'll look unbelievable, the next week he'll look terrible. I, I gotta see, what did he end up with last year? I'll look it up while you. Steve, and, what are your thoughts on Aylers? I, I've, I've been a. I, I, I think you hate him more than I do. Yeah, I do. I, I love because I, I've been in this camp that ECU could be so much better if they just turn the reins over to a different guy uh, at quarterback. There, I think, I think, I think their coach has a good head on his shoulders and is trying to, you know, in good faith, you know, keep this in-state, you know, guy that, you know, was all gung ho, but. Holt Naylor's has been in college since I was in college. <laughs> like, it, man, it, it feels like it. Holy cow. 
All right, so looking at his looking at his numbers real quick, uh, last year sixty one percent. Last two years he's been a sixty one percent passer, um, eighteen touchdowns, nine interceptions in eight games of twenty twenty, ten last year in twelve games. Uh, he's thrown thirty two interceptions his career. Uh, he basically didn't throw interceptions as a freshman, and he's been almost he's ten nine and ten the last three seasons. So he's kind of volatile. Um, yeah, he is the volatile yeah. quarterback, and it's it's kind of the Matt Grothy situation too, right? Like it, it, breathtaking place, like absolutely, like he'll run he'll run someone over, and then he'll just have like that boneheaded interception, and that's kind of what it was with with Grothy for three years. I think he ended up with the, the same amount of interceptions every single year he started outside of the year he tore his ACL. So, it, it, like. There was, you know, the 80 yard touchdown run to start the second half, uh, at Pitt. And then he'll throw, you know, three interceptions, uh, against, uh, the Bearcats. And it's just like one of those things where, like, which, which version are you actually going to be getting today? And, but I think having Holton third is kind of, uh, where I, think, I kind of want to lead to where, like, the quarterback situations across the conference is not, it's not ideal. Um, if Holton's number three, yeah. No, where did you Where did you have the Memphis quarterback? Four. Okay. I think Holton's ceiling. And that that's uh, Seth Hennigan. Seth um, Hennigan, yeah. yeah. He, he was he was a freshman. He balled out. I think he threw for over three hundred or three thousand three hundred and something yards. Like he he was a very yeah. good quarterback. Three thousand three. Uh, I'd I'd put him third. I think. 3,322 okay. yards, 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions as a freshman. Now he did have, uh, he had the Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin. Right. So you did have some pretty good receivers to help you out, but those are pretty good numbers, uh, especially for a freshman. 25, 25 touchdowns. Yep. What was it? Eight interceptions. But fool me, fool me once as a, as a star true, uh, freshman quarterback in this league. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to get fooled again. I fell in love with Michael Pratt, and he burned me. I, I, I want to see it. I, I want to see it in a year two. He might come for a comeback year. Oh my! I mean, I hope so. I love him. Um, so that's that's my top four: Tune, uh, Mordecai, Ehlers, and Hennigan. You could talk me into Hennigan three. Uh, number five is the tandem. Whoever wins the battle at Cincinnati between Ben Bryant, who is the uh, Eastern Michigan transfer who all, who transferred to Eastern Michigan from Cincinnati. Uh, and then uh, Evan Prater, highly touted recruit coming out of high school. It's going to be an interesting battle. I don't think they bring back Brian unless they believe he can just kind of step right into the position. Uh, but we'll see how that works out. Uh, he, went lit, he went and lit it up at Eastern Michigan. He did. So he kind of it was like they it was like they were put him out on loan like it was uh, yeah they did they yeah, absolutely was, did put him out on loan it was it was pretty remarkable uh, six is our guy Michael Pratt at Tulane which sure I think uh, I might take Pratt now the the thing with Pratt looking at his numbers uh, he turns the ball he turns the ball over twenty one way too effing much twenty one and eight uh, twenty one touchdowns eight interceptions but both years he was twenty and eight his freshman year. Both years, he's been under 58% completion percentage, which is not great. I think he's, um, quite, I think he, he's, uh, susceptible to the fumble. That's what I'm trying to find the fumble stats. I, I think that's something. Does, does Michael Pratt have tiny hands? 
I think Michael Pratt just uh, takes too many hits to the head. That too, yeah. Good. He, he went, didn't he have like three concussions over the last like three years? It he got, hasn't he got been two great. Second year, and then he got one against SMU this yeah. past season. Yeah, he's he's. And we just got we got so teased by that Oklahoma game in week one, and they were like, "Oh crap!" And then nothing ever came to it. Um. So that he's he's the sixth best quarterback uh, or the situation, I guess. Uh, number seven, I have USF, the the trio of Timmy, uh, Gary, 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 uh, and Katravis. I'm always man. I'm gonna every single time. I'm gonna have to ask that. It's so bad. My memory is terrible. But I think uh, whoever wins that competition, I third. It can't be worse than what it's been over the last couple of years, right? So I didn't really know where to put them, but I think it's a better situation than the rest of the teams. Um, you could also – I have – eighth is uh, Central Florida with uh, John Ross Prumley and, and Mikey Keene. You could you could talk me into flipping those two, seven, eight. I, I think they're pretty close in that regard. The, the question I have is Central – I was looking at their roster uh, – they have three quarterbacks on on the roster. So yeah, and plus, I mean, technically, Joey Gatewood is still there as a wide receiver. So I guess technically, I think they have one could. of the quarterbacks listed as an athlete. Uh, um, Castellanos, I think they like they they're they're going. Gus is recruiting for a Gus quarterback right now, and he's he's looking for a guy that right. will just run the ball first, second, and. Maybe he will hit a nine-yard hitch route and stride. Yeah, and then uh, ninth is is Tulsa's quarterback situation. I assume Davis Brin's going to be the quarterback. Yeah, you want to talk I about so Michael Pratt? Uh, five fumbles last year. All right, let me let me give you Davis Brin's numbers last year. All right, this will be interesting. Uh, Three thousand two hundred sixty-nine yards, eight yards an attempt. Uh, 18 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. And I'm not sure what they're returning at receiver. Uh, it looks like they're returning nothing on the offensive line. So that's a recipe for disaster. They're only returning two on defense. They also lost their defensive coordinator, I believe, right? Yeah, I think so. And Tulsa, um, I think Tulsa had two offensive linemen. Drafted uh, Chris Paul and then the guy who actually went in the first round, um, Tyler so they, Smith. So, yeah, they have a they have a new OL coach, uh, and most new linemen, mostly new offensive linemen. So that could be a position that's tough, and a new defensive coordinator. And the defensive coordinator was pretty good. It's not like he got fired; he got hired by Texas Tech, I believe. Um, maybe somewhere else, but he got hired by uh, a program in Texas, I believe, a P5. So mm-hmm. he was pretty good. Yeah. Um, so they'll have to replace him. I think Tulsa maybe comes down a little bit. I, I think you had them pretty low, so you're probably pretty good on that. But they may be one that they're over under six. They may be one that could be stealthily uh, struggling. Yeah. You know, I think our friend Colin Sherwin's out in Vegas right now, so maybe I'll uh, I'll have him. Hit a hit the over the under on that. Um, and then, uh, so Tulsa's ninth, uh, Navy's quarterback situation doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters in the fact that you've got to be able to run the triple option and 
throw like four passes a game and that's been an issue for them. But the bigger problem for them over the last two years is they haven't averaged over four yards a carry. So when you run the triple and can't average four yards a carry, it's going to be tough to have success. So I have them 10th. Uh, if they figure out the quarterback position, they'll be very good. If they don't figure it out, they'll be very bad. I think that's, it sounds super simplistic and it probably is over, oversimplifying what Navy does. I love Coach Ken. He's a great interview, but if they don't have a quarterback, then they don't have a team. I mean, uh, most teams, but like, especially they will flounder. Um, and then 11th is Temple because one math, uh, ain't it. And Quincy Patterson ain't it either. Uh, he's a transfer from North Dakota state, I believe. Uh, and he was also, he also was somewhere else that I can't recall, but, uh, that, that entire program is, a just a tire fire. So that's kind of my rundown and my thought process, uh, of, of that. Um, overall thoughts, am I wrong into assume like, okay, this is a very top heavy quarterback conference, but the, the rest are just kind of, yeah. Yeah, I think there's probably a, there's a group at the top that are pretty talented and should have pretty good years. And then I think that middle portion is really jumbled. I think you could probably move it around. Like, you know, Gary Bohannon, if he's a starter, he played pretty well for Baylor last year and, and, and uh, against some pretty decent defenses. So maybe he comes in and has a really good year and he kind of moves himself up. Or maybe if, if McLean beats him out, you, you've got a guy that, okay, he beat out this guy who's got all this experience. So it certainly doesn't seem like that's going to happen. I don't know if we want to talk about that, but, uh, um, you know, I, I think you're, I think you're pretty close on the quarterback situation and it somewhat mirrors the team situation. Uh, right. in my opinion, what's interesting is you do have a lot of production coming back. Like you look here. And this is all the returning pass attempts. There's only two teams that are, un, or, or there's three teams under 90%. Everybody else is over and UCF's returning almost 73%. So there's not like a team that's returning nothing. Even Cincinnati with the transfers is over 50% of their pass attempts coming back. So yeah, you're going to have some experienced quarterbacks in the league. We'll see who like can Michael Pratt cut down on turnovers. If he does, maybe they're really the same thing for Davis Brink. Can he, he throws 10 interceptions, you know, are they, how much better are they? So that's, um, that'll be interesting to see how these guys develop a little bit. Um, do you want to just talk about USF? We haven't kind of looked at their situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of end up here. So, yep. uh, I think we, we got a pretty good grasp on the schedule. It's difficult, but. Uh, in terms of like raw talent numbers with all the transfers and things that have come in, USF's pretty good in the conference. Um, 65th in the country. You see UCF's 48, uh, but like Tulsa's 98. So they're, they're, they're pretty, they're kind of in the upper, upper half of the conference in terms of just overall talent. Uh, and you see that in, in the schedule. So they have a couple games where they're, they're, they have a few games where they're, got really superior talent and most of the rest besides Florida is kind of a toss up. Even BYU is not crazy talented. They just really maximize it. I don't know if that's like the mission stuff, but um, they're always kind of under talented. Right. So um, 
but Louisville's pretty talented, but it's not like a crazy discrepancy for any game. So it's kind of, it's going to be one of those years where it's kind of a bunch of toss up games. And if you get more mm-hmm. than not to go your way, maybe you can get to five or six, uh, but it is a tough schedule. SP plus does not like USF, but I think it's mostly because of the offense or the uh, defense was so bad last year. Right. Hard to kind of get that off because last year's performance does factor in. So that's kind of difficult to wipe off, wipe the slate clean on that. And even if USF starts to show improvement, uh, you know, early in the season, I don't think SP plus is really going to reflect it because, you know, the preseason numbers still count, you know, that it's like a half life every single week. But because their first, you know, four or so games, really their first six games are so tough. you, you may not get like a true analytical barometer of how they're actually doing, um, you know, improvement or, or not relative to where they are. Like, you know, if they just sink down to like 120, then yeah, that's probably a better barometer, but we may not see the, the explosion if they just kind of start to pop off a little bit. You may not see the explosion as much as you, uh, would hope, but, um, as you're kind of, Pulling it up. I mean, they, what, they're third in the nation in overall returning production. Uh, yeah. It's third and third, eighth on offense, 26 on defense. And that includes transfers into this returning production metric. Eight okay. starters returning, eight starters returning on offense, eight starters returning on defense. All the kickers and punters start to return. Uh, a good majority of the offensive line is back in terms of returning snaps. So you've got a pretty good group there. Um, and then these are just like the position by position, the ranks for the conference. So you can kind of see where based on 24-7 average, uh, USF kind of middle of the road at quarterback, upper half, running back, wide receiver, tight end, top four, O-line, top, uh, top four, I believe. <laughs> and you see the quarterback ranking, um, for you, you mentioned it, Clayton Toon's not highly rated. He's the no. 10th best quarterback position group, but yet, uh, you know, he's probably the best quarterback in the conference. That's why Houston's like their talent rating looks low because they don't have, I, I think they only have like two scholar, two or three scholarship quarter. They're pretty low on scholarship quarterbacks as well. 10th running back room, uh, what, fifth wide receiver tight end. But third on the line of scrimmage here. And this is the overall grade. So you see Houston's 10th in overall offense, like the talent. I think, I think they're going to run away with, I think that I, I'm, I'm really starting to come around that I think they just kind of run away with the conference unless something happens and Dana, Dana's himself. I don't, I don't see how they don't win 10 plus games and, and win the conference handedly. What's interesting is when you start looking at the defensive side of the ball, USF, Fourth in defensive line in terms of average player rating, 59th in the country. Fourth in linebackers. Third in the front seven overall. Third in defensive backs. And then fourth in defense overall. So that's a group that's got this one of the more talented ones in the conference. And with a new scheme, maybe they can make a big jump. So you see, you know, it's, it's not a talent issue. Now, now, obviously, these guys, some of them haven't played up to the recruiting rankings. So, you know, it doesn't quite matter. It doesn't really matter what their yep. talent is. But if they can play up, if they get in the play, you see they're fifth on offense and fourth on defense, just in terms of talent. So I just want to, I just want to see Will Jones on the field. 
Yeah. But I, I really like I, I want like I think Matt Matt Hill did what he could possibly do and I'm excited for a year or two of him being like a full time D B but like I think Will Jones was I think they were really relying heavily on what Will Jones was capable of and it just kinda of backfired when he tears his ACL. Um and they, they stockpiled. The linebacker room is ridiculous. Like, DeMars Bellamy is no longer here because he wasn't going to play because the linebackers are so good now. He didn't even play. He didn't even play in the spring game. Like, that's, that should tell you. And we, we loved him. Like, he was yeah. a talented guy. It just, the numbers played out. Like, the two linebackers that they brought in, um, the guy from Michigan, I'm blanking on his name. Michael the, Williams. Uh, no, no, Minnesota, sorry. The Minnesota oh, DJ Gordon, DJ, DJ Gordon, and then Jalen Schuler, like they lay some lumber, and those are your twos. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm excited, and I think that's why uh, you know a lot of the fans, as well as us here on this podcast, were just so frustrated with how the defense was being coached last season. Is there was talent there? There was still talent on that roster last season. It was just so poorly mismanaged, and I think you saw on Black Friday what a well-coached defense can do when that's just what you do now. And if Bob believed in the scheme too. Yeah. And it, is Bob going to be able to get that from, from this roster week in, week out? It's up for debate, but I'm excited to see it, it can't be any worse. What's nice is like he went into a, he went into a group at Mississippi state that was pretty talented and he took them and elevated, like took them. They were pretty good. I think the Grantham was the defense according to the year, the year before. They were pretty good. And he went and took them. His first year came in and took them up to that next level. Um, so he's shown the ability to come in and kind of get guys to elevate a little bit. So if he can do that, I mean, you look at the talent, the consistent bottom three, if we don't count Houston, because I think it's just kind of a weird quirk. Uh, Temple, Tulsa, and Navy are kind of your consistent bottom group. East Carolina's... Uh, close-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, East Carolina's got some pretty good players on offense, but defensively they're kind of towards the bottom. Yeah. Uh, so I think that you are going to see that Temple, Tulsa, Navy kind of group at the bottom of the conference. And UCF, or USF rather, won't be um, – I don't think it's going to be at the bottom of the conference this year. I think they're going to show some improvement. I think so too. That four-and-a-half win total looks enticing to hit the over, I'll be honest. <laughs> It's just that it's that's such a perfect number because the schedule is just hard enough where you're yeah. like, can you really see them winning five games? Like if Florida was replaced with like Southern Miss or if you're Florida, or if you just like, play BYU and then you you replace Florida and Louisville with yeah with a couple other you know like Miami Ohio, or Ohio like and, <laughs> yeah. yeah like and then you're you're like oh wow this is like a six seven game, one team yeah, right so. and it's I mean, that's the, you know, this is what Michael Kelly wants. You want to schedule tough people. You want, you know, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And at some point you've got to start beating just anyone and then we'll go from there. But um, that's for another day. Uh, I think that's it for tonight. Uh, I think Steve's probably going to need some uh, Pepto-Bismol and a, uh, some, something. God bless you. Maybe uh, some antacids. It's separated, and I just I can't stop <laughs> drink it. Anymore. Do it. Okay, now now you got to do it. Now you got to drink oh, it. Oh, I can't. Now I that can't. it's separated, it so, you have to. 
it is so it, it's congealed on top. Like you can't tell, but like it's all just one layer. On top, it is so I. It's a close up. It's it's in, yeah. I'll give you a close up. Here, let's see if we can. Uh, yeah, you can kind of see it, but you can kind of see where it's separate. It looks like a latte. Yeah, that's like oil and oil and water. <laughs> I because I thought about. I was thinking that I was like, oh, it'd be so funny if I just if I house this at the end of the podcast. Yeah, I think but it like, would be funny. I think you should do it. No, I cannot. That is, there, there's, there's things that I can stomach, and that is not one of them. If I will give like, you one dollar. Oh, that's tempting now. Now, I it is, it is well past gone. Maybe if I did it in the middle, I could have done it, but it's congealed too much now. It is, it is a solid layer on top, and it is gross. <laughs> All right, for my standards, well, Steve, what's your uh, hit up? Is your promo code still good? Oh yeah, promo code's still good. Uh Steak Bulls Five, block right? Party. Yeah, Steak Five, Bulls Block Party on August twentieth. Um they're not doing the giveaway anymore. So um yeah, it's five dollars off your ticket. Uh if you use my promo code Steak Five when you go to check out for it. So it still gives you the the early bird pricing at twenty dollars. Um but yeah, it, it'll be a good time. I'll be there. Um I get to my my lovely girlfriend Paige is now Employed by said University of South Florida, so oh. uh, we're we're now a USF household. There you go. So I forced what, her into this. No, no more UNF uh, stuff. Right? She said she said UNF is dead to her. Good. <laughs> Send another plum. Down, down with the Osprey. This is, this is the Osprey. She, she yeah. actually just put a. She actually just got a whiteout and just whited out her diploma where it said North and put South. He's, <laughs> I've got the biggest death glare going on for me right now. <laughs> well, now she went to like a real university now, so it's fine. Osprey's down. Yeah. <laughs> all right. For Seth Steak, I am Nathan Bond. I appreciate you all. Tuning in, watching, listening, sharing uh, another beautiful episode of the Bluminati podcast. Be sure to check out uh, Shane McClanahan and the All-Star Game, uh, the race. Uh, if you're listening to this tomorrow, uh, just finished off a sweep of the Boston Red Sox. So that was awesome. Uh, large part in base to uh, a pitch going off a butt. Shane McClanahan being great. And then just uh, overall raiseness. So, uh Go Bulls, be safe. Enjoy your time. Enjoy your weekends. Seven more weekends until college football is back, baby. Let's go. Go Bulls.